Welcome to Catching Up with the Commands podcast. My name is Dan C., joined by my beautiful wife, Sam C. Hi, guys. This is a podcast where we give our fresh perspective on all topics of life. We hope you guys enjoy the show. This week's episode of Catching Up with the Commands is sponsored by Copper John's. Copper John's is a premium grooming and hygiene product company that we love in the command house. Copper John's mission is to empower men and help them better themselves by providing them with quality products to promote confidence. Their unique products are crafted using ionic inland sea minerals, which is so cool, but also they help promote hair growth, strength, and prevent hair loss and damage. Copper John's has a full lineup of products for both men and women, including beard products, cold-pressed soaps, face cleansers, deodorant, cologne, supplements, and more. And you have to check out the scent Sundance in their oil, butter, and balm. It will change your life. It's one of my all-time favorite scents for Dan to wear. Use code DANC15 for 15% off your order always. And make sure to check out all their social media linked on our Instagram at Catching Up With The Commands and experience the power of Copper Johns and unlock your true potential. Mm. Yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this week is a spooky one. Yeah. I feel like we, need, we needed to have like Halloween music in the background right. or something. Right. <laughs> okay, Dan's going to be sharing with us the murder house story. Murder. <laughs> You're a mess. <laughs> <laughs> okay, if you've heard this story before, keep <clears throat> listening. I've heard it a million times, and each time he tells it, I feel like I catch something new. If you haven't heard this story, it's going to be crazy. Now, the story took place, we looked just looked it up. It was in 2007. We thought it was like 2009, but mm-hmm. 2007. Um, Dan and I weren't together yet, but since we bought the house that his parents lived in at the time, and this house is across the street, I literally drive by this house every single day. Yeah. <laughs> you can see it from our front. I yeah. mean, it's literally across the street on a small cul-de-sac. Yep. So, without further ado, Dan, please tell us the story of the murder house. Yes. And <laughs> just so you guys know, this story is true. This is yep. not some made-up story. We literally have the guys um, <laughs> Otis listing for the Michigan Correctional Facility. Yeah, he got he his mugshot. Got his mugshot. <laughs> He's in Muskegon for uh, the rest of his life, and we'll not give away too much there. So this goes back to when I was in college. I was on spring break, and I was broke. I was not going anywhere. I didn't go on a spring break. I never once did like the college spring break. I never went with friends or anything like that. Literally never once. You know what? I don't think I did either, to be honest. And so I was just home. All my friends are in like Mexico and all over the world. (laughs) And if you guys know how like spring break works, college spring break is earlier than like public school, middle school, high school spring break. So this is like at the end of winter, but still fully winter. Like there was still snow on the ground. And it started on the Sunday before spring break. And I'll never forget this. My neighbor, uh, Joe, came over. And some of the names might be true. Some of the names might be changed or or edited for story (laughs) purposes, just so you guys know. But I'm sure a lot of friends and family will listen to this, and they're going to kind of go down memory lane. Uh, But my neighbor, Joe, came over. And Joe is an amazing family friend of Mm -hmm. ours. He is a former uh, Marine. He is somebody that we just really got to know really well. And he was like, hey, uh, is your dad home? And this is on a Sunday. Now, mm-hmm. these dates are important to keep in mind. Yep. And he says, is your dad home? And I said, oh, no, he actually just left for the week for Arizona for a business trip. And he said, okay. And now keep in mind, I am a sophomore 
or no, it's 2007. So I am a freshman, freshman in college yeah. because the year changed. Yeah. So I'm a freshman in college, but I'm 18 years old. Right. And so he's like, okay, well, you're the man of the house. I, I need to talk to you. And I was like, okay, what's going on? He said, there's a guy that is renting the house across the street. Now, one of our favorite things in the world is our HOA. <laughs> Sarcasm there. But with the HOA, you cannot rent. That is not something that is, is a part of the agreement. It's a, you violate it. You can be fined, all this stuff. So this is something that should not have happened, but it was somehow some way. And he said, I know this guy. His name is Mike. Now, that's not his his real name. Are we going to share his real name? Probably shouldn't. Uh, okay, yeah. Let's say, <laughs> let's say his, his real name is more along the lines of a female name, yeah. more so. It can be unisex, but it's more female name. It's it. Mike is literally what he went by. That was what he told people. That was his nickname. It's not his real name. It's not his middle name. <laughs> We're not really sure where it came from. It's not even, like, related. It, it, his real name almost seems like... And he almost seems like he's, like, Russian or something. Yeah, like you know Americanizing. I mean? yeah. Like, yes, my name is Mike. <laughs> <laughs> Why did you go so Borat, though? I, hey, my name hey. is Mike. <laughs> <laughs> so he he says, this guy moved across the street. His name's Mike. I know him from church. And I'm like, okay. And this is a good start to the conversation. Yeah. And he said, I know him from church, unfortunately, because he's a crackhead. Well. And I said, whoa, okay. <laughs> and he said, essentially, he goes from church to church, gets in good with the elderly, and then asks for money for groceries for his family. And he's just asking for drug money. I'm like, oh, that's a bummer. He's like, but every church thinks they can fix him and rescue him. Wait, did you – had this guy been living there for a while? He had, yes. Okay. He had uh, – <clears throat> while <clears throat> – I'm not exactly sure – how long? But at least a, a couple of weeks. Okay. And okay. Oh, so like weeks, yeah. not like months or No, years no, no. Or Relatively okay. new, but it okay. wasn't like the day he moved in. I see. And so he says he's a crackhead, and he gets in the church and takes advantage of people. And he said, I'm, I'm over here to talk to you because he came over to my house today. And he asked me if I had money. And I told him no. And he said, well, I owe some drug dealers money. <laughs> And they said, if I don't pay them, they're going to kill me, kill my family, and burn my house down. Well. And so Joe <clears throat> stuck true to it and said, sorry, I, I don't have the money. And so Mike followed up and said, do you have a gun? Well. It, yeah, I know. It's, it's a difficult. <laughs> that's that's so <laughs> freaky. I don't even know what I would like do in that situation. Be like, um, yeah. shall we call the police? Right. <laughs> and so our neighbor, who is a former Marine, and, and Mike knew that, he said, no, I don't. He said, I just need it for my protection. He said, I'm sorry. Yeah, go to the police. Go to where yeah. you need. And so the neighbor, Mike, left. And so Joe's like, I just want to let you know. And I'm like, okay. And so that's on Sunday. Now, I don't have anything to do over spring break other than work. I worked at a rec <laughs> center. And so... Monday and Tuesday go by, and nothing really out of the ordinary happens. It's just kind of like a, a normal day on the cul-de-sac. Like, what, what would you, if people could get to know our neighborhood and our cul-de-sac, what would you explain the story or the vision of? Um, not a ton of people are out. Cars drive by. Sometimes people will wave, and that's about it. Yeah. <laughs> There's yeah. not a lot going on. No, very <laughs> uneventful. And so I saw him like get his mail at one point. I saw him leave at one point and that was about it. Now, Wednesday morning comes around and this is where it all really kicks off. Mm -hmm. I am sleeping in the basement of my parents' house. Yes. Which is our current house. Which right is now. our current house. Yeah. Which is where <laughs> we, we are, are in the basement. We are. Yes. Very <laughs> different nowadays, but yes. 
And we had one of those like old school like intercom systems yeah. where you'd press at the front door yep. and you'd have the little <laughs> spots. We've since have gotten rid of it at our house. But I'm sleeping and I'm on just like a futon, just in my boxers <laughs> and a blanket. And I hear the 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 speaker go off. And I'm like waking up, you know, you're in that like foggy, yeah. hazy kind of mood, and I'm hearing it and I hear please, 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 can you help? Please help, please help, please help. And I'm like waking up like, what in the world? Am I dreaming? What is yeah. going on? And then it literally dawns on me and I'm like, <gasps> it's the crackhead. <laughs> and I just have this like overwhelming like, whoa, something is going on. Yeah. So I turn the corner to go up the stairs and my mom is home. Everybody else is gone. My dad's on business okay. and my sisters are in school. And so they're, I'm on spring break, but they're in mm-hmm. school. So it's just me and my mom. The door flings open at the top of the stairs. The second I turn around, she goes, it's him. And I was <laughs> like, oh, my gosh. I'm like, what do we do? She was like, uh, answer it. And I'm like, okay. So I go. and Your I, mom would. She's too nice. <laughs> and she goes, yeah, answer it. And She's like, let's open the door for this crackhead. Yeah, and her niceness gets even further in a second. <laughs> and so I grab a golf club. I don't know what to do. I'm a little bit worried. So I grab a golf club. I put it behind my back and I go to the door. I don't open it. I use the intercom and I said, hi, how can I help you? And he goes, oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, thank you, God. Thank you. And he's just like repeating this. And I'm like, can I help you? And he said, I locked my keys in my car. It's running and it's my first day of a new job. Can you help me? <laughs> and to paint the picture, this guy is like a normal height, like a normal build, kind of like a, a nowadays dad bod. Uh-huh. He, uh, his profile on the Michigan website says uh, race is white, but he appeared to be like Middle Eastern to me. Okay. And he was dressed nice. He had on like dress pants. He had on a polo. He had some penny loafers. His hair was done. Like he looked fine. It wasn't what my image of a crackhead came to and yeah. keep in mind I'm going to work that day and every day at this time in Flint Michigan like mm-hmm. the heart of Flint I mean you see crackheads yeah. literally oh, yeah. right just outside the college right outside the couch just walking around everywhere so it didn't match up with my vision of a crackhead so I'm like oh, okay and I was bigger than him like I was significantly <laughs> bigger than him I had height I had weight I had strength I was not was like really age. so he at he was like your he had an eight-year-old son at this time so probably about our age now late 30s i would say early okay. 40s kind Let's of in that say, range don't put me in there <laughs> all right i'm early in 30s that, in that general, yeah so he was probably a little bit older uh but yeah in that late 30s early 40s okay and so i'm like ah, i can go get a metal coat hanger i don't know if that'll help you oh yes thank you thank you thank god thank you thank you thank you so i get the coat hanger i open the door i hand it to him and i shake his hand All right. Remember that. Shook his hand at the door. This is Wednesday morning. He goes across the street and now it's a playroom. But before it was like our computer room, office room type thing. And uh, how crazy is that? That people used to have computer rooms like that's where you went to be on the computer. You know, you didn't have (laughs) laptops, you didn't have phones. And so I get my breakfast. I had oatmeal that morning and I'm oatmeal oatmeal and an orange. Yeah, I'll never forget. I used to eat oatmeal like every day. And I'm eating my oatmeal and I'm in that front room and I'm watching this guy try to get into his car and he's panicking. He's trying to get in the window, trying to get in this window. And I know stuff got real when he climbed on top of the car and was (laughs) trying to get in through the sunroof with the metal coat hanger, with all of his dress clothes on, on top of the car. So I'm like, mom, come over here. (laughs) Look at this. And she goes, oh, you should go help him. 
And again, my mom, super <laughs> nice, wants to see the best in everybody. And I was like, are you crazy? Go help the crackhead who's freaking out. She goes, you're bigger than him. You could take him. And I'm like, I, I, yeah, you know, I, yeah, that's true. All right. So I throw on my rain jacket because it was it was cold. But if you know me, I don't like to put on like big coats and stuff. Like, I'll, so you. I'll put on a rain jacket for warmth. And Sam's like, that's not going to keep you warm. I'm yeah. like, yes, it is. So I put on my rain jacket, got some flip flops on. And I'm I'm telling you, like and this is winter. This is winter, okay. the end of winter. And his house is directly across from ours with like the slightest diagonal. Yeah. I mean, it's it's right there. I said yesterday, Maddox, our eight year old son, could throw a baseball from our driveway and hit his house. Yeah. Like it, and it, not just because he's athletic. Right, right. <laughs> like truly it's that close. So I'm walking down the driveway to go help him. I'm going to approach him. I get to like the end of my driveway towards the road, and he picks up what I call a two-handed rock. Now, I call it a two-handed rock because you need two hands to pick it up. It's not one you can pick up and throw. <laughs> it's not like, a boulder. No, well, yeah, it's not quite a boulder, <laughs> right? You don't need. It's not a two-people rock. It's a two-handed <laughs> rock. So he picks up this two-handed rock, and I'm walking towards him. All of a sudden, he takes it, psh, shatters the driver window with the rock, gets it. <laughs> I go to the end of the driveway. I literally throw my hand up in there. I said, oh, you got it. All right, man. <laughs> Have a good first day. And I turn around, and I'm like, whoo, that is crazy. Oh, my and gosh. I had to, like, really focus on this dude took a two-handed rock and broke out the driver's side window. Yeah. Not the rear, not the passenger, but his own window, and then sat in all that glass. I hear like something's up, something's up there. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, mom, what? Why would you put me in this in harm's way to <laughs> to be in this situation? <laughs> yeah, right. And so I go back in. I'm like, whoa, that's so crazy. 17 minutes later, this is exact 17 minutes later. I did not count, but I saw the time <laughs> when I went in and then I saw the time when this next event happened. A car and we only have how many houses are on our cul-de-sac? Mm. Eight at most. Yeah, so eight or ten. Yeah, right in that that low low high single digits uh, number, and so we know all the cars, and it's not like a pass through. It's mm -hmm. just pretty much you're either visiting or you're living yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. And so a car comes down, and I've never seen this car before. It is very distinctive. It is a two toned paint job, meaning the bottom of the car is a different color than the top of the car. Hmm. The rims are chromed out, huge, like twenty two inch. It's rims. like a nice car, or like it, a shitty car. Uh, it's a nice car if you're into that. Okay. Yep. So it's not a bad. Because you know how like some people try to put like the cool stuff yeah. on like Toyota Corolla. No, and no. Stuff. Yeah. If you're into it, it's a nice <laughs> okay, car. Okay. Uh, tinted out windows, and I'm like, whoa. So they pull in the driveway. And it sat there for a couple minutes. And again, this is very odd. This is the, the murder house, right? The story. Yeah. But also, remember on Sunday, he said he owed some drug dealers money. And they were coming to kill him, kill his family, and burn his house down. <laughs> and so that's in my mind, right? Yeah. I'm not making these things. I'm not putting them out there. All of a sudden, four of the largest humans I've ever seen in my life get out of this car. And it turns out they were semi-pro in college uh, football linemen. So we're talking legitimately like 350-pound humans. Like currently or previously? They were current at that time. Okay. Yep, they were current at that time. Some of them were playing semi-pro, and some of them were playing for uh, a a college in Detroit. I'm not, okay. I'm not going more into trying to slander any colleges <laughs> there, but they were playing football for a college in Detroit. And so they get out, big puffer coats, beanie hats, and I'm like, whoa. Okay, like pimped-out car, scary-looking <laughs> humans, Looking literally, and then the next step, it kind of confirmed it for me. 
two of them go to the front door, and then the other two start walking around the house. That's so scary. Yeah, and at that point, I'm like, okay, he said he owes people money. They're yeah. trying to kill him, kill his family. Boom. Like, this checks out every single box. There's one guy pounding on the door. Another one's on a cell phone. And then the other two are going around the house. And the next level of, like, shit got real is when I saw this big boy, 350-pound <laughs> boy, get down on the snowy ground in winter in Michigan. And we have – I know this isn't the, the same kind of foundation everybody has, but we have basements here. Yeah. And with our basements, you have about a foot of foundation where you have basement windows. Yep. They're and little tiny one foot by three foot windows. Yeah, one by two, one yeah. by three foot windows just to get light in. You're not it's not an exit or anything like that. And this big boy got down on the ground to look in that window. Yeah. And I was like, Oh man, he is looking for something. <laughs> and so I am bored. I am in college. I snap into detective Dan mode. <laughs> I literally get out a notepad. Whoosh, and I get out a pen, and I start writing down everything. Oh I write down the gosh. time. I write down what happened earlier. I write down the license plate number, the make and model of the car, the description of the guys, and I just write it down. So first thing I do, they leave, nothing happens. Now, immediately I reflect, 17 minutes ago, I was walking over to go help Mike, yeah. the neighbor, get into this car. I'm Knowing that there's people looking to kill him, these guys pull up that fit the description 17 minutes later. What if they came 17 minutes earlier? That's terrifying. And I was out there. Oh, my gosh. If I would have been in the middle of something, unbelievable. So they leave. Could you see? Do they have guns or anything? I could not see. Okay. Nope. I, I did not see any weapons or anything like that. Just a cell phone, coat, hat, and then, like, what they're walking around. Gotcha. So I call my dad, who's in Arizona. I'm like, hey, I haven't told him any of this <laughs> stuff yet. I'm like, hey, man, Joe said this. This happened. I wrote this down. He was like, you're bored. Relax. <laughs> like, calm down. You're good. I call my other buddy. And, again, you know, I'll never forget this. I call him. I'm like, dude, listen, was shot. <laughs> shout out to my buddy, Yanni. And I call Yanni. I'm like, dude, this is going on. He literally says, quit being racist. You <gasps> <laughs> he, did. he goes, he's like, you saw some black dudes in your town. Like, calm down. And I'm like, <laughs> no, dude, you know me. This is not like they said this and this and this. Yeah. And he was like, dude, there, there's this is no such a movie. Yeah. Like, nobody believes no you. No one believed me except my mom did. My mom knew okay. something was up. Uh, but everybody that wasn't there didn't really experience, like, what right. that was like. So then about an hour later, another car pulls into the driveway. And this time it's just like a red trailblazer, kind of like an older car. And nobody gets out this time. But I write down the license plate number. I write down the make and model of the car. And then you're, they take off. You're so lucky you have good eyesight. I have great eyesight. Yes. I couldn't <laughs> see the license plate of a car in our driveway. Right, right. <laughs> and, and so I write that down. The day goes on and nothing really happens. Now, about... A little bit after lunchtime, we have like a revelation and we're like, oh my gosh, he is divorced, but he has an eight-year-old son that only comes home with him every other Wednesday. Uh -huh. And today was Wednesday. Oh no. And so we were like, oh, I don't know if today's his day or not, but he is saying people are trying to kill him and people are coming to the house all day. Yeah. We don't want this kid getting off the bus. Right. So my mom says, call the police. <laughs> and so <laughs> I call the police. I explain what happens and they're like, well... No laws have really been broken, so there's not much we can do, but we want to... How shitty is that, yeah. though? Yeah, and, and to their credit, they said, uh, we want the kid to be safe. We're going to send a police car over, and they're going to sit in the in the road nearby the house. 
just to make sure everything's okay. 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 And I'm like, that, all right. That's fine. Yes, they, <laughs> they took action. So credit to them. They actually have, were, were pretty awesome throughout this whole process. And, and Sam says that because she listens to the Crime Junkies podcast. Oh, yes. <laughs> Shout out to Ashley Flowers. <laughs> and, like, one of the biggest themes of that is people re- will report people missing, and then the police don't act. And then they don't fucking do anything. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. It drives me crazy. It's uh, <clears throat> very frustrating to listen to. <laughs> so the bus pulls up. We're watching. Now all the neighbors, my mom and all the neighbor ladies are all really close friends. Yeah. And so they're gossiping all day, telling <laughs> each other this, telling each other that, back in the, the house yeah. phone days. <laughs> and so everybody's watching. The bus pulls up. The kid doesn't get off. Whew. And we're like, okay, maybe it's not his day. Maybe he arranged it with his ex-wife. Mm-hmm. They, they figured it out. That's priority number one. So then my sisters come home from school, and I don't think we really told them anything because they were pretty young. Yeah. And I have to – my my – Middle sister was in high school, but I, I still don't know if we told him. I have to go to work at the rec center yeah. in Flint. My mom is like, I don't want to be home alone and just with the girls. We're going to go shopping. Mm-hmm. So they leave and go to a mall, a nice mall that's like a little bit a ways away. And I get to work, and I'm really close to everybody I work with. One of my bosses is an NBA legend, literally, like, All-American in college, legend around the area. And I get back, and I'm, like, telling – I'm, like, you guys, listen (laughs) to this story. They said they were going to kill him, and then they showed up, and we helped with the kid and all this stuff. And they're all, like – Oh, crazy, Dan. Like, <laughs> cool. Good one. Yeah. So, <laughs> so nothing happened? No, but it was wild. And they're just kind of, you know, making fun of me a little bit. Well, I am a manager, so I'm just walking around, and I get a call from a restricted number. Mm-hmm. And I answer, and they're like, hi, is this Dan Command? And I said, yeah. And they said, did you call earlier about a house and, like, <laughs> some drug dealers and activity and stuff? I said, yeah, just out of safety, out of the kid. Yeah. And they said, okay. Uh, can you come home? <laughs> and literally said, can you come home? I said, well, I'm at work. What's up? And they said, I ah, can't tell you too much over the phone, but we found a body. Hmm. <laughs> and like, all what? the blood just leaves my face. I'm just like, come again. Who, where, what, right. when, what? why? Like, wow, how'd they kill him? The drug dealers tell me it's not the kid. Tell me it's not the family. We can't tell you. Can you come home right now? And I said, uh, yeah, I, I'll be on my way. <laughs> So I go back to the front of the, the office where everybody's at, and I'm like, they found a body. <laughs> I was like, this is horrible, but I was like, celebrate. I'm like, take that. I knew there was something to it. I yeah, called my buddy. No one believed you. Yeah, I called my buddy Yanni. I was like, ha, I was <laughs> I'm, right. I'm not yeah, racist. It, yeah, it's not racist. It's instincts. I called my dad. I'm like, ha, they found a body. Like, it was a strange revelation. I'm like, uh. okay. They found a body. Okay. Let me go home. So I call <laughs> Somebody my mom. died. <laughs> yeah. I call my mom, and I can't remember if I was the first to tell her or if they called her, uh, but essentially let her know, like, hey, yeah. get home. We got to make sure we're right. there. And so they call me back on the way. They're like, okay, when you get there, and I, again, there's so many things that I'll never forget. And they said, park on the left side of your driveway. Why? I have no idea. Interesting. But that was a direct <laughs> order, park on the left side of your driveway. And I was like, okay. And so I pull in. My mom and sisters are home now. I get there, and, and I get to the neighborhood. And at the entrance of the neighborhood, there's two police cars blocking the mm-hmm. entrance. And I'm like, hey, I live here. I got to go. And they're like, uh, can we see your license? So I hand them the license. And they're like, okay, go ahead. So they part the cars. I go through. <laughs> I get to my road. There's another car blocking the road. Yeah. And I'm like, hey, I got to get here. And they're like, uh, who are you? I said, the the police officer told me to come home. Like, I'm, I'm the, the witness. I'm dank yeah. man. Yeah, right. I got, I'm the guy with the notepad. <laughs> you whip it out. Yeah. <laughs> Is this good enough for you? And so I give them my license, same thing, pull in. I get in there, and they're like, okay, 
what do you know? And I said, well, actually, I literally you did? I pulled out the notepad. I was like, I know a lot. My neighbor told me this, this happened, this happened, this happened. Here's the license plate. Here's the description. And they're like, they're like wow. Well, yeah, they're, pay you. <laughs> they're like, this is crazy. Thank you so much. And then they have some questions for me. And I didn't really know the answer. And I don't really remember the questions because it was kind of like a crazy, yeah. crazy moment. I just like questions to weed you out from being Probably. a murderer. <laughs> right, 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 right. Yes, yeah, so I don't really remember those. But I do know that they had a notepad of their own. Very similar style, if I can say so. It's pretty authentic. <laughs> and uh, they had a notepad. They're writing down the answers and stuff. And I'm like, what happened? How'd they kill yeah. them? They're like, we can't tell you. It's ongoing. Oh, my God. And to give you like a picture of this, it's now nighttime. The house is literally caution taped off. They have out all sorts of suits, taking pictures, examining the scene, just like you yeah. would think out of a movie, yeah. like truly. And so we're now up watching this whole thing. And you can, again, this is in front of our house, from our office room. You can see everything. Mm -hmm. And so we're watching to the point where our house phone died because my oh mom my was calling the neighbors so often <laughs> that the battery died on the house phone. Oh, you guys had that wireless phone? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, no spiral cords. And so we're calling each other. We're figuring this out. Our neighbor who is, uh, most of these neighbors aren't here anymore, but our neighbor that was next to us who we're really good friends with, they're like, I heard three shots to the head. And then the other neighbor said, oh no, gosh. I heard a shot to the heart. Oh and they're gosh. like going through all these like scenarios. I'm like, oh my gosh, like that's so crazy, you know? And nothing really happens. And we, I think, talked to the police one more time. They still can't tell us anything. And now it's time to go to bed. I told my mom, I said, I'm not going to bed. Just so you know, <laughs> remember, this is a Wednesday night. Yeah. So my sisters have to be to school the next day. And to give you an idea, our road of our neighborhood is right along the school. Yep. Like literally there's grass between our road and then there's the football field, the parking lot. It's right there. Yes. Like from this house's driveway, you can see the school as clear as can be. And there was school the next morning, even though a murder occurred. God. It was pretty crazy. So this was Which that sounds night. about right for our yeah. school district. Yeah. So. You would <laughs> you would think there may have been some like as me being a parent now, if there was a murder right next door right. to our kids' school, oh I want to know God. that. Yeah. And they didn't do that. They didn't put out a message. They yeah. didn't close school. They didn't do any of that. They just, whoop, dust up. Come morning, all the tape was gone. Everything was gone. Just looked normal. What? Literally looked normal. There's no way that they could case that whole house in I, that time. They apparently did. And so, and, and to their credit, they were up all night. And I told my mom, I was like, I'm not going to bed. I'm watching all this. So <laughs> I was in the front room. I had the window open because I wanted to hear everything. Oh my I gosh. had a, multiple blankets on. Got out binoculars, and I am examining <laughs> everything, and it's super interesting. You see all these things. It got to be about 2, 3 in the morning, and the Bridgeport Crime Lab showed up. And it's this lab <laughs> that, uh, you know, does forensics on yeah, murder yeah, yeah. scenes. And they have, like, this little trailer, and they get out. I go and wake my mom up at, like, 3 a.m. Oh, my And I'm gosh. like, hey, they're getting the stretcher. They're getting the gurney. Come on. And they do. Now, the thing that was pretty crazy is in the movies, you see those like black body yeah, bags, yeah. you know, they're like leather. This bag was clear. Oh. It was clear. Oh I know. <laughs> now, it, was, it wasn't it was like completely see-through clear. It was kind of like opaque. Like, yeah, uh, like cloudy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I couldn't see exactly who it was or uh -huh. any details, but I saw them bring the body oh out gosh. and put it in a trailer. That was nuts. And the body came out of the garage, but they okay. were around everywhere there was a lot of focus and spotlight on the backyard okay and so i'm like what in the world is going on so the morning comes 
first thing, a reporter came by and knocked <laughs> on the door, and I'm still up. I did not go to sleep. I did not leave that, lo- that room, actually. And a reporter comes by and is wanting to ask questions. And I'm like, ah, no. Yeah, right. <laughs> the only person who answered questions was the one lady who was not home. And <laughs> I'll listen to my tone here. She's very nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. She's very, she's a very nice lady. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll put it at that. And she gave this like report of it rocked our neighborhood. This is a neighborhood of trust and close knit community uh. and yeah, a little bit, a little bit out there. We'll just, yeah. I'll just put yeah. it that way. Just a little bit out there. And so that was interesting. And then I get a call again from the police station and they say, hi, uh, is this Dan? I said, yep. They said, this, this is detective so-and-so from the, the police station. Mm-hmm. Can you come in? We have some questions for you. I'm like, I don't have anything else to do. Sure. Why not? <laughs> and so I go up there and they were like, thank you so much for the information. That was really helpful. We have some questions for you. I'm like, okay, cool. And so they're asking me some random questions. Like one of them was, what do you know about the hooker in this story? And I was like, hooker? And they're like, prostitute, street worker. And they start going through all like the <laughs> names. And I was like, call girl. Yeah, yeah I was <laughs> like, uh, nothing. <laughs> I, absolutely nothing. And they're like, you don't know anything? I'm like, no. Then they show me some pictures. And the pictures are very mixed. There's men, there's women, there's uh, black men, white men, mm-hmm. like Indian men. And it was all over the map. And they're like, do anybody in this picture stand out to yeah. you? I'm like, no, not not really, nothing. Like, and they're like, not this person? And I was like, no. And they're like, okay, did anybody come around your house asking you questions in the days leading up to this? I was like, no. So it's a bunch of questions yeah. that seem completely irrelevant. Mm-hmm. Nothing about what I observed. Like they had a story in their yeah. head. Yeah. But and they so, just weren't telling you. Yeah, it was very bizarre. So it gets done, and I'm like, what happened? They're like, we can't tell you. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Like, Son come of a bitch. on. Fast forward three months, we know nothing, Mm -hmm. literally nothing. We don't know how they killed my neighbor. We don't know uh, if anybody else is dead. All we know is they found a body at my neighbor's house, and these drug dealers were looking to kill him, kill his family, and they didn't burn the house down. Now, is anybody living in that house now, or was it just empty? Empty. Completely empty. There would be police that would come back every once in a while to go around the house and stuff, but nothing nothing real official. No more questions or anything until about three, four months later. I get a call, hey, can you come in the police station again? I'm like, sure. So I go in the police station, and they have a couple more questions. And this time, they have a picture of my neighbor in a lineup. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's Mike right mm-hmm. there. And they're like, okay, thank you. And so they get done, and I said, what happened? <laughs> and they're like, okay, well, it's an ongoing investigation, but we can tell you now. Yeah. And I was like, okay, here we go. So I'm going to tell you guys what happened how this was caught, and then about the court case at the end. And I did have to go to court. Shout out to my mom. She had to go as well. And what happened was this neighbor guy, Mike, was a a, a drug addict. Mm-hmm. He got picked up by some drug dealers, taken to their, their drug house in Flint, bought drugs from them, did the drugs, mm-hmm. and said he wanted more. Mm-hmm. And I guess at this point on Sunday, he had not been sleeping for a couple of days already. God. And so this dude was running on no sleep for by the time this happens for like a week. God. And so he says, I don't have my money with me, though. You guys have to take me back anyway. How about you just bring the drugs? I'll go inside, get the money, mm-hmm. give it to you. You give me the drugs, drop me off. All good. They said, OK. So they sent one of the guys from the drug house to go get the money and drop yeah. off the drugs. Now, again, these are all football players, mm-hmm. semi-pro and uh, in college football players. 
The guy that went was actually the smallest of them. <laughs> he, he was the running back, but still a very physically imposing young man. Yeah. And he was in, yeah, like the, the college age. So they get there, and uh, Mike invites him in. He says, I'm going to go get the stuff. Do you want a drink? Do you want anything? And yeah. the guy's like, sure, I'll take a bottle of water. So he's in the kitchen, and the running back drug dealer is on the counter. And and this is all in court. Like they, It's not like, oh, you're coming. No, he... He was a drug dealer. Uh-huh. Like, that's what he did at this time for money. And so he's on the 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 island of the kitchen. Now, how would you – and their, their layout is very similar to ours. Yeah. How would you describe – is it a big kitchen, small kitchen? It's I would say it's like a medium-sized kitchen. Our island is probably like two feet by four feet connected to – like our little dining area yeah. that's op- then opened to like our living room. Exactly. And the bedroom is right next to the kitchen. Yes. Right next to yeah. it. So the master bedroom. The master bedroom. Yep. yep. So he is on the island facing away from the bedroom towards the living room. He's sitting on the island? No, just has his arms propped up okay. on the island, like okay. leaning up against it. So Mike, the neighbor, again, late late 30s, early 40s, uh, dad bod like mm-hmm. middle eastern dressed up guy he goes into the bedroom to go get his money to give to the drug dealer <clears throat> he comes out in surprise that might not be the surprise you guys are thinking <laughs> might not be the thing that you're wondering surprise instead of bringing the money he brings out a sledgehammer takes it to the back of the head of the drug dealer busting his skull <laughs> open spreading <laughs> brains all throughout the kitchen kills the guy on the spot in his kitchen oh my god so the neighbor was not killed right he killed right. a drug dealer and do you remember what day this took place on sunday 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 oh my god he killed him that day yes oh my so he <laughs> kills him in the morning on sunday he freaks out he goes to the backyard with two shovels to try and bury the body. Well, it's winter. The ground is frozen. <laughs> he can't. He Crackheads aren't very smart. No, and especially when they're not sleeping. <laughs> and so he cannot dig. So what he does from there is he goes into one of his bedrooms, rips out the carpet from a room, puts the body, rolls it up, and then puts it in the garage and puts some, like, cardboard boxes oh over my it. God. That was his method. He's like, it's winter. It'll keep. Right, exactly. <laughs> And so he's freaking out. He's like, what can I do? What can I do? I need to build an alibi. He goes over to my neighbor, Joe, and says, hey, do you have any money or a gun? Because these people are trying to kill me, trying to set up self-defense. And so we're like, whoa. So Monday and Tuesday go by. This guy's a murderer. Yeah. The body is sitting in his garage. And then Wednesday comes by. He somehow gets a hold of the church and says, hey, I have a new job, but I don't have a car. Can you help me mm-hmm. get a car? And the pastor says, I'll see what I can do. Mm-hmm. And so he gets him connected with somebody that owns a used car dealership. And he goes to him. He's like, hey, I'm a man of God. I'm, I'm good for this. Yeah. I just need to get my first paycheck so I can get off my feet. Bad divorce, blah, blah, blah. And the guy says, okay, it, I can call the pastor and he'll back all this up. And mm-hmm. the pa- he says, yeah. So he's like, okay, I'm going to give you this car. I'll, I know you'll be good for it on the first day. Where's your address? Yeah. Blah, blah, gives him the information. He takes that car back home Wednesday morning. His goal is to flee and leave. Oh, my God. He's panicking. He's rushing. He's freaking out because now, remember, he had this drug dealer killed in his kitchen. Yep. The other drug dealers right. are looking for their buddy right. and are wondering where their friend is. Uh. And somehow he knew they were coming that day. So he's in a panic. He's in a rush. He goes inside. 
he locked his keys in the car and he thinks people are coming to kill him. <laughs> so he comes over to my house and asked for help. Remember, I got a coat hanger. I shook his hand, gave him the coat hanger. Uh. No, I am not an accessory to murder. I didn't know a murder <laughs> took place. I was just being a good Samaritan and helping out a neighbor, you know. And, oh, uh, you could have had, like, brains on your Oh, hand. my God. Shook his hand. Uh. And, again, my mom being so nice, her exact, oh my her exact phrase was, He's he's a neighbor of ours. All we know is that he may do drugs. That doesn't make him a bad person. <laughs> no, but killing someone does. Irene. <laughs> killing someone does. So I shook his hand. He went back, breaks the window, takes off. Now, here's the crazy part. He drives that car, and he gets to a four-way stop. It runs out of gas. Of course he it does. He ditches the car in a parking lot, stands at that four-way stop, carjacks an old lady what? in a gold Cadillac, she goes into Rite Aid, says, hey, this guy just carjacked me. Call it in as a description. This guy drives to GBI. It's an old bar. <laughs> it's not around anymore. And in the parking lot, he's just sitting there doing the last bit of drugs that oh he has. Oh, my gosh. In this stolen car. You fiend. Like, trying to figure out what he's going to do next, I think. Yeah. So the police get a call. Hey, carjacking, serious. Right. They drive around. A c police officer's driving, sees a gold Cadillac yep. in a parking lot of a bar, and this is in the morning. And he's like, Right, because uh, they're not open. Right, yet. and it's running. And so if you guys know, if you have cold weather, and when your car runs, you see exhaust, yep. you know, from yep. the, the cold temperature. So the police officer pulls up. He's like, it can't be this easy. Right. And he gets there, he's like, <laughs> this is her car. So they arrest Mike, take him into jail. They're processing him, going through all the information. Yeah. And they go, huh, it's Mike. this sounds familiar. What? Oh, somebody called about him earlier today. Oh, my God. That was me. <laughs> that was me. So they get him in. They get all this information together that this guy has been called about with suspicious activity mm -hmm. with doing all these things saying people are trying to kill him yeah his son what they people thought were in danger yep. now it's grand theft auto it's possession of a controlled substance it's possession of paraphernalia all this stuff mm -hmm. they put a pitch together to the judge to get a warrant to search his house yeah for drugs okay the the judge approves it and says <laughs> yes so they get a warrant that night while I'm at work. So it took the full day. Yeah. They go to his house to search for drugs, and they bring out their drug dogs. And, and apparently this is what they said. The drug dogs went around and then all of a sudden started acting very strange around the garage. Now, hmm. it wasn't like a trigger of a drug or anything yeah. like that. Very strange. So they open up the garage, they go in, and they find this dead body. Do drug dogs also, like sign on bodies or I, did the guy have drugs on him no so they were signing something different they were not doing the okay. signal of a of a drug they were not doing but the that's normal just so signal. weird because like when they train the dogs yeah like they train specific drug Correct. dogs and then specific i don't even know what you call it they do money dogs, dogs gun yeah. uh, bomb dogs all yeah, sorts yeah, of yeah. things but it's still an animal, you know. True, animals true. Smell yeah, they things, probably smell you know? like our, the decay. Yeah, and stuff. our our cats would probably that's act true, strange. That's true. So it's just an animal, and so they go in, and again they are looking for drugs, and they find a dead body. <laughs> and so now with the call and all this stuff, they start to put all the information together. Mm -hmm. And in this case, this was exact words by them because when I'm bringing up all this information, I'm like, well. Like, hey, like, I know I called and I was, I, and keep in mind, guys, and some would be like, you rat, you this, you that. <laughs> I was calling out of protection of an eight year old boy. Yeah. That was it. I was simply calling to make sure that boy could get off the bus in a safe manner. And but I, 
I literally would call anyway. Yeah, right, right, right. Like right. I don't call me a rat. I don't right, care. Right, and but I'm just giving the frame of reference of why I called. Yeah, like I did not think any of this was going on. I wasn't. I called to see and make sure the son was protected. Yeah. And so they're getting all this information, and I'm like, wow, that is absolutely insane. Yeah. And so he's now booked. He's in jail. He's getting a lawyer. All this stuff. Two years later, Gosh. my mom and I get a subpoena that we have to go to court for this homicide trial. <laughs> so we are, and the crazy thing is, I'm coaching at this time, and I have a very big, it was either like district or regional water polo game yeah. to coach, and this was in Saline, Michigan, and I am up in up in Flint for this trial. It was in downtown Flint for the, for the case. And so I have to like figure out how I can do both of these. And it worked out where I believe I can go to the court case, which mm-hmm. I can't miss. I don't have a choice. Yeah, right. And then if I can head straight down, I think I can make <laughs> oh it in time, gosh. which I did. So yeah. I coached this game in a suit and got down there as warm up was oh, finishing. Oh, they thought you were so fancy. Yeah, for sure. Like, and it was Wow, a, this guy dressed up for this game. And if they only knew what was on my mind, you know, this is crazy. <laughs> so we go to court. Now, it comes out that they offered him 17 to 25 years mm-hmm. in prison and likely sooner with good behavior. Yeah. And they were going to give him some kind of like second degree murder or manslaughter. Right. 17 to 25. He turns it down before the case and says, I'm going to get off with nothing. <laughs> sure. Yeah. But then <laughs> they tell me I have to go testify. Now, the crazy thing is, if you've seen courtrooms on TV, it's like that. You're on the witness stand, and that person is 10 feet in front of you, just staring at you the entire yeah, time. Yeah, right. The entire time. And so when you go in, uh, when my mom is testifying, I wasn't able to be in there with her, but I could like hear it mm-hmm. on audio if I went to a certain spot, and then same vice versa for her. So I go in, and I am not a nervous person. Uh-huh. Like You rarely yeah, ever no. see me nervous. But if there is a situation that is tense, I I don't like awkward, I don't like mm-hmm. tense, and I don't like situations that I can't have some kind of control over, right? If I have a situation with the kids or with this or that, or I have some funeral. control. Right, and that, I was actually going to get there. So <laughs> to give you some, some uh, lead up on this, if there is a tense situation, I like to use humor. I think humor can cut through the tense si- situation. <laughs> An example is uh, my grandfather's funeral. Now, my grandfather's a great man, and this, again, guys, just showing you how I deal with with tense moments. And we're at this funeral. <coughs> we were together at the time. We this were together. This was, like, 10 years ago? Yeah, dating, right? No. We were married? I don't know. Maybe okay. we were just dating. Yeah, I think we were Maybe just we dating. Maybe we were engaged. Yeah, somewhere, something. We were together. Yes. And so we're sitting at this, like, area where there's, like, a table and then a bunch of couches and chairs all around it. And everyone's just kind of down and gloomy. And, like, for me, I really mean this. I don't want people to be down. I don't want people to be gloomy when I have a funeral. I want you celebrating. I want you sharing stories. I want you laughing about me, <laughs> like, talking about all those things. And I mean that from the bottom of my heart. And I know my grandfather would have been the same way. He was a very full-of-life guy. Uh, he was a professional baseball player, world record holder in the MLB, World Series ring holder, all that stuff. And so we're sitting there, and my uncle is telling this story about up north Michigan. Mm-hmm. And he was like, oh, man, I found this hidden gem, and I don't think any of you guys know about it. And he goes, it's this beauty, and he's, this is 100% yeah. serious, by the way. He is not a jokester. <laughs> and he goes, there's this beautiful lake called Dee's Lake. And so everyone's just letting him tell the story. And then he goes around, and he's like, hey, Ted, have you been to Dee's Lake? 
no. Hey, Mike, you? No. And then he goes to somebody else and says, have you heard of D's Lake? And everybody's like, no, no. And it's going around. And I'm sitting there trying my best not He's like, to make a joke. Like sitting there like, like he's going to burst. Yeah, I'm like grabbing Sam's leg. I'm like, don't you dare ask me. Don't you dare ask me, uncle. And it gets to me, Dan, have you heard of D's Lake? And I look at Sam, and then I look back at the whole, this is in the funeral with all my family, my mom, my dad, everybody right there. And I said, no, I have not heard of uh, D's Lake, but I've heard of D's Nuts. <laughs> and it was like the spectrum of reactions. Like my cousins and a couple uncles are dying laughing. My mom is mortified. mortified. Sam is embarrassed. My dad wants to be serious, but a laugh is like coming through. So that's an example of how I handle like tense situations. And I'm okay with it, actually. I'm, yeah. not, I'm not embarrassed of it. And we wonder why our kids make so many <laughs> D's nuts jokes. <laughs> they do. They do. <laughs> and so I have to go testify. So I get up there. There's the judge in the middle. There to the left is the witness stand. And then next to that is the jury. Uh-huh. And then on the other side, directly across from me, is this guy. And he's got these crazy beady eyes, literally oh, just worst. staring at me. And I am on the side of the prosecution, right? And all I'm going to do is share my story. And they kind of not coach you, but they coach you beforehand to be like, hey, just tell your truth. If you don't know something, say you don't know. It was yeah. two years ago. They're going to try and rattle you to get you to not share uh, the information mm-hmm. and really to, to lie and say something that's against your police report so they can throw out your testimony. Right. They want as little of evidence as possible from anybody. And I'm like, okay. So they're like, so just tell the truth, but they're going to try and get to you. So I'm like, oh, okay, that's a little nerve wracking <laughs> that they're going to try and get to me. So I sit on the stand and they're like, hi. Uh, and I forget the exact like way the judge said it, but essentially they're like, uh, please share your name. Please share your like witness ID number. And then maybe it was like date of birth or something yeah. like that. And so I'm there. The, the jury is next to me. And at this time I was not with Sam. I don't know if I was with anybody else or not. I'm not quite sure, but I was not, I was not with uh, Sam at this time. And so I sit down and I'm like, hi, my name is Daniel command. My ID number is this, this, this. And for the cute girl with the hoop earrings in the jury, my phone number is 810. <laughs> and bang, 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 bang. The judge goes, this is not the place for that. This is not funny. This is the court. I'm like, I'm so sorry. I'm just nervous right now. Oh, my gosh. I cannot believe I did that. I was just trying to break the tension. They're like, please continue. And I'm like, oh, oh my gosh. Okay. So they asked me to tell my story. I tell the whole story. The prosecution doesn't even ask me any questions. They're like, okay, thank you for sharing. Uh, we, we rest, and that goes to the defense. And the defense comes out, and it's just this nasty lady, just nasty. And she starts grilling me. And yeah. I'm like, I'm just telling the story of what right. I saw. You're like, like, I didn't do it. I didn't do anything. And she's like, so you said it was winter. And I said, yep. She goes, was there snow on the ground? I said, yeah, yeah, there was, absolutely. And she goes, was there more snow on your yard or his yard? I was like, well, they're <laughs> across the street from each other, so I think the same. Okay. You said that these men pulled up and were some of the largest humans you've ever seen. How do you know that? I used my eyes. I'm not, I'm not sure. You said that they walked to the front door. Were there footprints left or no? I don't remember, but I would imagine so. You imagine? And I said, I don't know. And she said, well, and this was the one that the next two that really got me. She said, you said that they were talking on a cell phone at the front door. How do you know they were talking? I said, they had a phone up to their, their ear and mouth yeah. and their mouth was moving. Did you hear them? 
no. So do you know they were talking on a cell phone? I said, no, I I will say that they had a phone up to their face and their mouth was moving. (laughs) She said, okay. She said, and in the police report, you describe these men as African-American. What makes you say that? Uh, You're like, dude. I'm like, (laughs) the color of their skin? You know, and this is like uncomfortable now. Yanni's back there like, racist. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, the color of their skin? They're like, what is the color of their skin? And I said, black? And she goes, black? I go, brown? She goes, which one is it, black or brown? I was like, I don't know. They're black, (laughs) but their skin looks brown. Right, right. Like, I don't know. And she was like, okay. And then out of nowhere she goes, and I have to ask, what do you know about the prostitute in this case? <laughs> you're like this fucking I'm prostitute like, again. I don't know who this bitch is. I'm sorry, Your Honor. I'm sorry. I didn't say that. I did not say that. But I wanted to. And so I'm like, I don't know what is going on. It all gets done. Comes to fast forward. Mm-hmm. Guilty. Life in prison. Yep. No chance of parole. Thank goodness. He is away forever. We just looked it up. There is no chance of yeah. even getting out. He will not never walk the streets again. And essentially, yeah, he just needed drugs, had not slept for a long time, and, and was so crazy that instead of going without him, he planned on killing this guy with a sledgehammer That's to the back of his head. And it's right across the street. And your mom wanted you to trust this crackhead. Yeah. I was walking <laughs> over to go help him. And remember, the guys that came to look, they were not looking to kill him. They were looking for their friend who right. had been gone since Sunday. Oh. And so the police in this case, I don't think I said earlier, they they truly said to me, they go, in this case, these are the good guys. And they're like, yes, the drug dealers are the good guys. Were they doing <laughs> bad things? Was it illegal? 100%. But they're the good guys. And uh, they were like, I don't think you have anything to worry about, right? You weren't calling on them yeah. and all this stuff. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, yes, holy cannoli. And this, like, in our town, right, we're next to Flint. We know uh-huh. a lot of murders and stuff happen. This is not something, like, no. common for our no, area. No, they're not murders here. No, it was. And if they're is in the last 10 years it's like a husband and a wife yeah it's something disgruntled this was wild so did you find out about the prostitute no i have no idea uh, what happened with the I prostitute there was like a couple of other things that were just low <laughs> i don't usually tell this part of it either but my neighborhood would do like uh, bonfires at mm-hmm. night and they'd all get together and, and the parents would drink and they'd have a good time well we had a bonfire that weekend so <laughs> of, of it happening oh and gosh. so it was wait like, in the winter Yes. Yep. So we we had one. Um, I think we had like a deck, like you know, oh, a okay, deck okay. one that you'd have. And so we're out there, and the guys decide, let's go look around the house. Oh my god! And so we oh decide to go over there. I'll never forget this. And we're walking around the house, looking around the house. The shovels were still out, just laying in the yard, truly. And then the most bizarre thing. I have no idea how this could happen. And this, you can ask Joe, you can ask my dad, you can ask anybody. We go to the back, and it's got the sliding glass door. Uh There was a porno playing on the TV. (gasps) Playing on the TV. And we're talking. It was just like on on repeat. uh We're talking days later. So unless somebody was in there and got bored, I don't know what happened or if that was on before. But this is night, so you can just see perfectly just on repeat for days, just porn. Dude was just watching porn, got up and was like, I need to go get some drugs. Yeah, right. But then when the, when the drug dealer came back, 
Was it awkward? Was right. he like, hey, what are you right. watching? Well, so when the guy was killed, he was literally facing the oh living my. room where the TV was. Oh, he was and, just watching it. And then. that's for forensics. <laughs> like that that that's how he went out by watching that. Oh my wait, so okay. I have a question. Hit me. You said that a red trailblazer mm-hmm. pulled in oh, the driveway. Yeah. Who was that? So I go to court, me and my mom are in the hall waiting to go in, and we're like strike up a conversation with this guy and he was like hey what are you guys here for and we tell him and he said oh yeah he goes i actually gave the guy a car i was like huh and he goes i i have a car dealership he came to me told me he was a man of god i checked with the pastor (laughs) this was another one and no this is the red trailblazer guy this is him okay but who was the two the the car that he locked his key oh yeah oh that was the old lady no what happened was this guy was the car dealer who uh-huh. gave him the car. Uh-huh. And he was simply checking on this car. I don't know if he needed like some oh, paperwork or okay, what it okay. was. I see. But he had the guy's address. So he drove to his house later to to get him to sign something, I believe is what it was. Or he wanted like a, a, a proof of employment, something. Oh, okay. So he goes to the house. He's not there. Goodness. And then he leaves. And so he's like, yeah, he's like, the pastor told me to trust him, that he was going through a tough time, so I gave him the car. So the car that had the window busted out and all that stuff. So, yes, that's who the Red Trailblazer was. That's terrifying. I know, and met him in court. The fact that that happened on our street, too, is just wild. And then afterwards, last bit of the story, a family moves in. They moved out within three months. <laughs> within three months, they moved out. So we're like, oh, yep, haunted, haunted. And the whole time, it was like, do we tell them? Do we bring it up? Because right. a lot of people think if you have a house that has a murder or something, you have to disclose that. No, that is you a myth. No, no, okay. no, no, no. Um, I believe there are state laws, so it could be different elsewhere. In Michigan, you do not have to disclose that. That's I know. That just isn't right right it's crazy and so we didn't say anything to them because we didn't really get to know them and then a new family moved in and they did not speak english okay and so i think it was like the perfect storm they're still there oh that's them (laughs) okay okay yep so the second family that moved in and so no one i don't think has ever told them because even like i met them before and Uh i was trying to explain where our house was i couldn't even explain the house to them so it it was it was a big language barrier so who knows if they know or not (laughs) and i actually had their kid in class uh years later i wasn't about to be like to this 12 year old girl like hey Hey. did you know (laughs) you live in the murder house yeah did you eat any food off your island today oh my gosh so oh that's the murder story that's I learn something new every time I hear this story. <laughs> truly. Any uh, lingering questions or any loose ends I got to tie up? I don't think I don't think so. Okay. <laughs> Cuz that'll cover it. Please let me know your thoughts. Did it <laughs> did it take a turn that you didn't expect? Was there something that you simply just did not understand? Yeah. Let me know your thoughts there. <laughs> All right, you guys. With that said, we would simply like to say Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Catching Up with the Commands. And thank you to our sponsor, Copper Johns. And make sure you use the discount code DANC15 at checkout for 15% off your order. 
You can find all their social media tags on our Instagram, Catching Up With The Commands, as well as our after show discussion where you can chime in with any thoughts or questions about this Please murder. Please do. I, <laughs> I just want to know your impressions. I want to know your thoughts, your reactions. Uh, yeah, I want to know, like, do you guys think this is crazy? Is it cool or is it like, meh? Like, yeah, uh, well, nah, let us know. Because for us, for us, it's wild, but it might just be another right. Wednesday for you. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> you know? And on Mondays, we post a poll for you guys to choose what topic you want to hear and for the next week's episode. Yeah. And those are on every single Friday. So check that one out on Instagram, guys, and we will see you next week. Ta-ta.